to this week's episode of the River Heights Buzz podcast. We're on episode 14 tonight. I think so. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, well, episode 14 tonight sounds right to us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go with it. Tonight we'll be talking about season three, episode 11. But before we get into it, we're your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. We're kind of having a snow day, both of us, even though we're in different parts of the world. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know about where you all listeners are listening from, but it's the weather has been crazy with the snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and ice where I'm at. Yeah. I don't want any more snow. Just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I don't either, but I feel like you guys in Canada are more equipped for it, whereas where I'm at, kind of in this, let's just call it the southern part of the United States, it's like three snowflakes and they're calling out school. Like, we just <laughs> are not equipped for it. It just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah, it depends on where you live and like what kind of things are in place. Yeah. Anywho. I'm ready to get into this crazy episode, if you are, Candace. I am too. I'm so ready because we spent a lot of time in court, and as our listeners may know, um, that's kind of what I do for a living. Um, so I was very interested in this episode and had been very excited about it. So I'm ready to go if you are. I'm ready. Alrighty. So first scene we see ace sitting on his computer searching the internet and he tells everybody that the fbi is currently searching for gettysburg ancestors and that there should be over a hundred now um for our listeners that have been following through this whole season the civil war and gettysburg have kind of been an overarching theme for us um all dealing back with that soul splitting device um that we have been dealing with with temperance and with her daughter charity it all dates back to that kind of time period in history um so there's been reference to it in pretty much every almost every episode of this season um so ace is kind of researching that and trying to um find ancestors um that participated in the civil war and in the battle of gettysburg um nick comes in and says that he has jury duty which is the bane of most people's existence um people that don't work in court like it's always been my dream to have jury duty but it's kind of dorky if you really think about it and i've been called for jury duty once um in the real world and of course i wasn't able to participate because i work in law um so i knew the judge personally so <laughs> i was not able to participate um have you ever been called for jury duty or i don't know how that works in canada like from like i know a couple people that have gotten like letters in the mail about you know being selected or like they have to go through that whole process of being on the jury mm-hmm. um i think it's just like we get a letter in the mail and it kind of like explains it all like what has what you have to do 
Um, but like me personally, I haven't like been asked to do it. Yeah, it's kind of the same scenario in the United States. Um, you'll get a letter in the mail. Basically, it's kind of like a lottery kind of system like all the names are in like a pool of names and so basically they get those names for people that are registered to vote um people that have a driver's license and i think there's another way that they can get your name i can't remember if you pay taxes maybe i'm not sure but those are some of the ways that your name will get in the pool and so depending on the area that you live in they'll pick those names at random um, and then they'll send you a letter saying that you have to serve, I'm using quotes, serve a certain amount of time depending on the area. Um, and what you'll have to do is um, they'll tell you certain days that you need to call the court to see if you're going to have to serve. Um, sometimes you won't, sometimes you will have to come in and then um, it's a whole big to do of like just because you get the letter doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to serve. Um, once we get to that scene, I'll explain it a little more because um, uh, like I was telling you before we started filming, they did a really good job in the show of kind of explaining the whole situation and what happens. But that's basically it. I mean, it's it's nothing super fancy or um, really exciting. It's more of a pain in the butt to most people because you have to miss work. Um, in the United States, you get paid for it, but you only get paid $12.50 a day. So it's not like some king's ransom that you're getting. Um, in theory, they give you $5 for parking if you have to pay for parking and then $7.50 for your lunch for that day is supposed to be the breakdown of it. Um, but at least in America, um, if you get called for jury duty and you don't show up, um, they can set out an arrest warrant for you. Wow, that's a yeah. big thing. Yeah, it's, it's your your duty that if your name gets called, even if you don't get chosen, you still have to appear. So that's why it can be frustrating for a lot of people. I bet. So never... I don't know if it's that way in Canada or not, but that's how it is in America. Well, I, if there's anyone that I know, like that has actually been through that whole process, I might just ask them about it, see what they went through. <laughs> Just yeah, I think like what it was like. It's different there. Yeah, but that's basically what happens there. But yeah, I got called one time. I was um, early twenties, but I was already working um, as a paralegal and had been for a couple of years. And so I got my letter and I, I filled out. They send you a form where they need like your contact information, um, where you work, who you're related to, who else lives in your household, that kind of thing. Um, so I filled it in and then showed up and then when they got to my name, they're like, you know, we obviously can't use you. So I was excused and was able to leave and go back to work. But I mean, yeah, that's, you know, kind of a nuts and bolts breakdown of, of what it's like for anybody that's never been called for it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, depending on your point of view, it can be a cool thing or it can just be a pain in the butt. So kind of just depends on the person. but. Either way, Nick gets his paperwork in the mail that he has to serve. And of course, he's thinking that he won't be able to, considering he was technically convicted of a crime, which that is one of the ways that you can be disqualified from it. Um, so he's under the impression he's not going to have to do anything and kind of just rolls with it. 
So the scene changes and they're at um, Jake's Cafe, which is where Nancy is at. And she's talking to a waitress, trying to figure out kind of what was going on before Jake passed away. Um, if you all will remember from earlier in the season, he was one of the victims of the uh, Frozen Heart Killer. So Nancy's still trying to get some background information of, of what was going on around the time before he had actually died. And the waitress said two things, was that um, he was really fidgety before he died and that he kept the cafe at 58 degrees. <laughs> Which is kind of strange, but okay. <laughs> you do you. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, he apparently had an obsession with the Hudson family and specifically Ryan and Nancy both. Um, so after learning all this information, Nancy calls Ryan and they talk on the phone for a little bit. And he tells Nancy that he's actually going through um, boxes of family items uh, for like, I guess, an estate sale that he's going to do. And he wants Nancy to help, which I thought was a really touching moment that he wants her to be involved because, I mean, it's technically her stuff too yeah since she is a hudson um but i thought that was kind of a heartwarming moment that he wanted her to be involved with that and i think she took it that way as well um so scene changes and they're back at carson's house and gene the da is there and they're talking about how many cases that they have and then they all of a sudden start talking about maybe going away on a trip Ooh. Makes it might be a little bit more serious than what we were thinking. Plus, kind of too, it's like, like we only see what they show on the show, right? And we don't know like all that extra behind the scenes stuff that goes on. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, and because they don't show more of that, it almost seems like they're moving really, really fast. Yeah, but they might not necessarily be moving that fast. It's just we're not seeing some of the stuff that's happening in between. And show, show time is like so much faster than real life time. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, obviously that's a quicker timeline. <laughs> yeah. Which actually that brings up a good point. I've always kind of wondered, and I've tried to put it together in my head, but it can be difficult of like how long of a timeline, like a whole season is like, is it just several weeks long? Is it several months long? Is it a whole season? like weather wise it, it's kind of hard to put together wasn't it two was it last week where they said something about it being two weeks time frame for something maybe maybe i'm not sure it all blends together <laughs> after a while oh it, it was it was because with um hannah when she was in that like in between you know with ace and yeah. she's like i've been missing for like two weeks and like that two weeks seems like a long lot <laughs> longer than two weeks yeah yeah you're right you're right i do remember that because yeah i remember thinking man two weeks then i was like wait a minute it seems like it's been longer than that but it's still <laughs> shorter than that at the same time it, yeah it's it's kind of weird to try to get a sense of time um during the, all everything that happens just because so much is happening all at once. Um, so like I said, Jean and Carson are talking um, kind of about their caseloads 
and they just so happen to have a case against each other where Carson is the defense attorney and um, Gene is the prosecutor. And then Carson gets a text on his phone from a random number saying that this person can't be Peter's witness. So at that point, I take it to mean that Carson is representing someone named Peter, because I don't think it was clear at that point exactly what the case was or anything. Um, switch scenes. We're at the claw with Bess and George, and they are going through George and Nick's stuff since it's essentially like they broke up. <laughs> yeah, it was real awkward last episode. Um, <laughs> that truth serum, man. That works in people, <laughs> to say the least. So they're kind of going through um, the uh, the few things that they've accumulated. I can't imagine that they have accumulated much as a couple because, like I said, we were just talking. It's it's hard to kind of nail down time frames. But George and Nick couldn't have been together very long. No, it doesn't so, seem like it, anyways. No, it really doesn't. So. It's almost like it was like they dated for a short amount of time, got engaged, that broke up, and then now it's like they're friends-ish? Yeah, it almost seemed like they were engaged, and I'm using quotes, engaged longer than they were dating. (laughs) It's fuzzy. Yeah. So they're going through the stuff. George is obviously upset and hurt. I mean... Yeah, last episode she was questioning if Nick was her soulmate, but just because she was questioning that doesn't mean that she doesn't care about him. Yeah. So I can understand her being upset. Um, she gets a call from Carson, and apparently Peter Tombar is uh, Carson's client, and George agrees to get Peter's friend's words for a declaration um basically because that friend of peter's doesn't want to be a witness anymore or appear in person you can get uh, they called it a declaration here which that could be another word for it i've never heard it called that um what i've heard it called is getting a signed affidavit from someone which basically is just a document that lists all of the facts that you attest to that are true, that you're not lying at risk of perjuring yourself with the court. Um, And it's a document that the person signs and it's as good as their word if they were there in person. Um, So they got that right. Like I said, just use a different word for it. So um, in my book, that's a, a check mark for the TV show, getting it right. Um, so yeah, George agrees that she will, um, speak with Peter's friend to, to get his, uh, information written down so that can be used in court and, um, Bess, God love her being Bess, asks Ace if he has talked to Nancy. Um, and it's like, like everyone knows that he's got the feels for Nancy and he's like, it almost seems like he's. You know, I can kind of see where he's coming from because Nancy's with Park now and he doesn't want to, like, be kind of in the middle between them, you know? Yeah, Yeah, and that's exactly what he says. He was like, you know, I saw Nancy and Park kiss. Like, I don't really know what to do about that. I don't know what that scenario is. Um, So I can see how he's kind of in a rock, in between a rock and a hard place However, my husband said the same thing. 
he did that himself by not speaking up sooner. Yeah. But <laughs> I can see it also from the other side of him trying to push those feelings down and everyone around him seeing, hey, it's obvious that you like her and him pushing those feelings down, trying not to think about it. You see what I mean? Like I can see it from both sides. I saw this picture on Twitter and it was like between Nancy, Ace and Park. And it was like Nancy holding Park's hand and then Ace is just like kind of floating down at the bottom. And then, and the next picture it was like, Nancy's got two hands, one for Park, one for Ace. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a complicated issue because they were friends first, which that can be a good foundation for starting a relationship. Or it could be the loss of a friendship if it ends up not going well. You see? So it's tough. Yeah. I don't really know the right answer. But regardless, he didn't say anything. He saw Park and Nancy kiss. And so now he's kind of, I guess, figuratively now in limbo <laughs> with yeah. what to do. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, he thinks that he can't compete with Park, which really, it, that made my heart hurt when he said that. Because he said, you know, I don't have a place of my own. I'm essentially surfing the couch with Nick and I wash dishes for a living. He's like, how can I compete with Park, who's an FBI agent? Like, that and really just, hurt my heart when he said that. Like, I just wanted to give him a big, huge hug. I, I agree. I agree. Because, like, and here's the thing. I don't think we know how old Park is, do we? I don't think so. But I'm assuming he's in his, like, mid to late 20s. That's I kind of think. what I'm thinking. Um, so, okay. So... I mean, even if we don't know an actual age, it's safe to assume that Park is older than Ace. Okay, so he's already had kind of a head start of being an adult. Like, just because where you're at now, let's just go ahead and call this uh, Wisdom with Candace Corner now. Just because of where you are now doesn't mean that there's not room to grow. Like, Ace doesn't have to always wash dishes for the rest of his life. He doesn't always have to live with someone else or have a roommate for the rest of his life. Like, those can all just be jumping off points yeah. for becoming an adult. Um, big decisions like that and big life changes like that don't come overnight. Yeah. It's something that you have to work towards. Mm -hmm. So, that's, that's my soapbox comment for that. So, um... Bess uh, obviously has used the uh, Soul Splitter in the past. They were discussing that again. Um, and then the scene switches and we are back in the courtroom. My heart was fluttering because I was so excited. <laughs> I'm such a dork. But I was, I was really enjoying all the scenes uh, that took place in court. Um, and so the potential jurors came in and uh, they're kind of hanging out outside of the courtroom. And Nick looks down on the ground and he finds a map of Gettysburg 
thinks, hmm. Someone dropped kinda, this somewhere. Kind of strange. Kind of fitting for what we're looking for. I better yep. pick this up and keep this. <laughs> Might come in handy later. Yeah. <laughs> so scene changes again. Um, we're back at Icarus Hall and Nick calls Bess and tells her that he found this map and that he thinks that the next victim of the Frozen Hearts killer is actually there with him at court. Um, and he says he'll do the best that he can to get on the jury. So kind of an interesting turn of events, because if we remember in the beginning, he was, you know, dead set sure that he was not going to be able to be part of the jury because of his past criminal acts, which that's, that's true. Um, that is something that will um, keep you from being on a, a, a jury. Yeah. So, um, scene switches again, Nancy and Ryan are together at the Hudson house and this is another scene that pulled at my heartstrings. <laughs> Ryan finds his mother's jewelry and he tells Nancy to take what pieces that she wants. That was really nice of Ryan to do that. It was very, very nice because I think Nancy is still struggling with her uh, grandmother's death. And I think that Nancy feels like it was her fault that it happened. And it wasn't her fault no. at all. It was just a very unfortunate series of events that happened, um, which when we talk about that season, we'll get deeper into that. But um, while they're going through all these boxes and getting these things together, Ryan tells her about um, that interview um, that he has in New York. Was it New York? I think so. I think it was in New York. Um, and so Nancy's listening to him and they're still going through things. And then all of a sudden they find a briefcase that has um, Charity's initials on it. Da, da, da. And so I'm like, uh-oh, what are we going to find next? in this briefcase? <laughs> so they open it up and they find a letter to um, Charity's husband's mother, to her mother-in-law. Um, Charity didn't ask Beckett, her husband, to split her soul so that they could be together. They did it so that um, Charity would be kept away from Temperance, her mother. And the women in white also did that spell to keep out Temperance. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, how many more strikes are we going to get against Temperance before everybody jumps on the bandwagon of saying that she's no good? Like, what else do we need? <laughs> we have more than enough evidence that she's a horrible person. Mm -hmm. It's so, almost like, even though Charity was kind of sketchy, at this point, it's like, it almost seems like Charity's, I like Charity more than Temperance. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am feeling that way too, but I still, just because Temperance is her mother, I still can't 100% trust what she was up to. It's yeah. still, it's still shady to me. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So, back to the courtroom. Um, they've got their jurors that are sitting in there. And they haven't been chosen yet. They're going through the jury selection uh, process, which they got correct. Um, at least here in the United States, uh, the legal system, you know, back when it was created, you know, eons ago, forever ago, it was all in Latin. And so a lot of Latin words are still used. So at least in the United States, um, they have a certain word for jury selection. It can be called jury selection, or it can also be called voir dire. 
which is simply just a set of questions that each side asks all the potential jurors in order to ensure that the people that they choose on the jury can be completely unbiased. You don't want to put a person on there that is right from the get-go going to choose a side without hearing all the information. That's not fair. So you have to go through this process to make sure that you get the most unbiased jury possible. Um, for our listeners, I don't know if any of you all remember or not, but back in December of last year, I had to go um, on a week-long civil jury uh, trial for my job. And the jury selection part took an entire day. Like that's all we did the whole day was just pick the jurors. And when I say it took the whole day, we started at nine o'clock and we didn't end that evening until six o'clock. Long day. It was a very long day. So they make it seem really quick and easy. <laughs> and sometimes it can be, but sometimes it's not. But they got they did get that pre, uh, pretty accurate, asking about people's history with the court. Um, it was brought up that, you know, Nick knew Carson um, which that really should have disqualified them. I don't know. I've never seen it to where both sides say that it's okay for him to be part of it. I would still think that the judge has the final say. And I would think that your average judge would go ahead and get rid of that person just because, I mean, you can say that you'll be unbiased, but there's no way to say for sure, you know? So I would feel like, once that information was known that he would have been kicked out. But again, this is a TV show and we need him on that jury. So yeah. uh, either way, he ends up being on um, the jury. So point for us, for the clue crew. Yeah. Um, so all that's happening and George ends up finding the person that was gonna speak on Peter's behalf and his name is Felix. Um, but Felix does not wanna talk. Um, he uh, actually is doing something at his job, which he really shouldn't be doing. And he works at a restaurant and he's actually keeping the food that the restaurant says to toss out because there are hungry kids that are around and he's trying to do the right thing, which is really nice. Yeah. You know, can't really fault him for that. Um, so after that scene, we switch back to the court. And like I said, Nick is on the jury. Um, Carson kind of uh, takes a dig at Jean and tells the jury, hey, she has a 142 cases. Um, trying to say that she's too busy, um, which to me, that seems like a low blow. Um, I pr probably would have, you know, tried to say something to get the judge to overrule on that because I mean that's just information that I don't think is necessary that the jury knows um and so the jury probably didn't even need to know that in the first place no no I wouldn't think so um because then that can kind of lead them more towards Carson's side um but then all of a sudden the judge gets a note that Gene and Carson are dating and in my head I'm like oh no uh -oh. How did this get out? Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, upon hearing that information, the judge decides that he's going to sequester the jury, which essentially just means um, the jurors are not allowed to return home 
uh, in the evenings, they get put up in a hotel that's paid for um, by the county that the court is in. Um, they have no access to social media. They don't have access to computers. They won't have access to their cell phones. Um, really sequestering a jury just means that they are doing their best to cut off any outside communication that could mess with them being unbiased, if that makes sense. Um, so that typically will happen. It's not uncommon that that happens. Um, it's more common in cases that are like higher profile, like if it's some kind of case that has um, been like in the local news media for some reason, but it doesn't uh, necessarily always happen. Like the one that I was just working on, the jury was not sequestered. Um, they had access to their phones, but they did take an oath to say that they were not going to do any research on their own time. And we kind of just had to hold them at their word. So um, it kind of comes down to the decision of the judge um, that's on the case, if the jury is going to be sequestered or not. So kind of just depends and you won't know really until you get there and, and start um, discussing the case. So um, all of that's happening. Tension is kind of high between Carson and Jean, and now they're essentially kind of fighting and they decide, well, maybe it's not a good idea that we go away somewhere. At least not yet. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh man, kind of saw this coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, scene changes. Uh, Nancy is back at the claw with Bess and Ace and she tells them essentially how much temperance sucks and how she's a horrible person. So, and, and and earlier when she was with Ryan, like going through all of the the Hudson things, Nancy realized she's like a face palm in the face moment where she's like, Temperance has this underlying thing, and it's like, crap. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so they're having this discussion, and um. Nancy gets a notification on her phone about Carson and Jean actually dating. And it turns out that Bess leaked the information because she wanted Nick to get sequestered. <laughs> so leave it to our girl Bess, gossip girl, to leak that information. And funny thing is, um, the it was um, supposedly leaked on Twitter. And the person that leaked it, the username was Horseshoe Bays, spelled B-A-E. <laughs> um, and funny story, so there's someone actually on Twitter with that handle, that name, and it's not like a new name. Like, because I looked at the account and they have like 8,000 tweets or something crazy. Wow. So that was an already established account, which I think that was pretty funny. Anyway, that was just a side note. Um, so, uh, yeah, Bess is the person that tweeted that information out because she realized that in order to try to figure out who the next victim of the Frozen Hearts killer might be, um, got to have those people all in one place. Make it easy. Yeah. Try to figure out because at this point they still don't know exactly who that person is. So at least when they're sequestered, in theory, they'll be watched and they'll be kept safe. At least you hope so. Yeah, at least in theory. So, yeah. um, 
Nick starts talking to some girl juror and she is very strange. Like I got weird vibes from her. Um, she said that she had weird dreams, but she thought it was from playing Call of Duty. <laughs> which I got tickled at because that's a game that my husband plays a lot. Um, which I could see having weird dreams because that game is weird. Like I don't play that game personally, but it's essentially for those of you that don't might not know or, or might not be familiar with Call of Duty. It's essentially like a fighting battle war kind of game. Um, lots of shooting and things of that nature. Uh, my husband plays it with his cousins and he gets very angry at the game because apparently there are a lot of people that cheat and kind of cheat the system and make it unfair playing and makes it difficult for people that are actually trying to play it the right way. Yeah. Um, so I just, I got tickled at that on a real world reference to a, a real game. Um, so next thing we know, George is at court. Um, Nick kind of hollered down the hallway at her and it was really strange. You could see the tension awkward. between them. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like, it was like, not tension, but it was like really awkward. It was super, super uncomfy to watch. <laughs> and then Nick goes like, hey, George, let's grab lunch. Yeah. It and George was, is like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah, it was, it was weird. We didn't realize until later that that was kind of a code. But, you know, yeah. in the moment, it was very weird and hard to watch. Um so we find out that that girl juror that nick was talking to her name is daniela teach um and then uh later on as george is walking you know in the parking lot the security guard that's in the parking lot says that he wanted to see george's bag and he was like really weird and strange about the whole situation this guy gave me the creeps yeah like major creeps I'm like i would even like i was fully like on george's side i'm like get away from me <laughs> you know yeah, it, it was very very strange yeah. um so turns out that that girl juror daniela did have ancestors at gettysburg so at this point we're thinking oh so she may be the person that you know the copperhead or the frozen hearts killer is going to be after next um, and it turns out that the Copperhead finds people by their scent. Very weird, but okay. Um, so uh, we're back in court and there's a, like a screenshot of that like parking area where the security guard was sitting. Um, and Carson points out in that screenshot because the security guard is now on the stand as a witness that uh, he was wearing sunglasses and he wore regular glasses as well. Is that correct? Am yeah. I remembering right? Yeah. Okay. So he had on sunglasses, which means he wasn't wearing his regular glasses, which means he couldn't see. <laughs> so that's so a big thing. <laughs> that's a big thing when you're trying to pinpoint someone with a crime. If you can't see, then obviously you're not giving the correct information. So another point for accuracy of kind of how you can, you know, poke holes in someone's story in court. So I really enjoyed that scene. But anyway. Good um, job, George. Yes, good job, George. So now um, all that's happening, scene changes. Nancy and Ace are now at Daniela's place where she lives and they check the thermostat and it's at 70. So they're like, well, 
okay, it's not at 58, like how Jake's was before he died. So now there's a little bit of confusion about what's happening. And then um, as Nancy's standing there, she gets a text from Park and I'm sitting on the couch rolling my eyes. Oh, God. Uh, Ace was also feeling the same way, rolled his eyes, <laughs> which I appreciated. Um, and he asks Nancy, what's up? Um, they find out that uh, Daniela, after they are kind of going through her things in her house, that um, she actually was not in town when that previous death happened. Um, and the soul that was split apart by the soul splitter is in the oldest person in a family. And when Daniela was out of town, she was actually attending a wedding of her older sister. So clearly she's not the oldest in her family. So it can't be her that's going to be next for the copperhead. So it has to be another juror. So um, back in court, the jurors are all sitting together. Um, the juror that was sitting next to Nick fell asleep and then randomly woke up and shouted out and said that they could still save his leg. And I, I'm sitting there thinking, uh-oh, was he a doctor or was he related to a doctor in the Civil War and was having a nightmare? <laughs> yeah. Kind of makes sense. Um, scene changes and we are at the claw. Everyone's there except for Nick, obviously, because he's sequestered. Um, and then we find out that the juror's name is Lev Stern. And he ends up getting uh, getting excused for his outburst. Yeah. Judge can't have that. I mean, it's weird. Like, yeah. they're trying to have a trial. And you can't talk in the middle of that. <laughs> no. Unless, the, like, you're specifically asked, you know, like, your thoughts on something, I would think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's typically how it is. Um, so... He gets excused. Um, that throws a wrench in everything because now he's not going to be sequestered, clearly, because he's no longer affiliated with the case. Throws a wrench in it. And oh, boy. Um, so they go back to the hotel. Bess is dressed up as a hotel employee, and she knocks on um, Nick's door and says that they have to change him to a different room in the hotel because of a leak. Smart thinking. Mm -hmm. Because Bess is accompanied by court security, what you can assume would be court security. Um, so that was a great save, moving him to another room. Um, so of course they move him to the other room and Nancy and George and Ace are hiding in there. Um, so now- Something Something that I was kind of like wondering about is that when as soon as Nick got in the room, I thought he locked the door. Didn't he lock the door? He might have. Because if he did, how did Bess get in the room? That's a good question. <laughs> N um, you know what? I don't know off the top of my head. And then the other thing too is like when George, Nancy, and Ace popped out of like the closet cupboard thing is that like a secret passageway 
That's another good question. I don't know. I just assumed it was like a wardrobe. But it like the whole thing came, it almost like swung open. I don't know. Now that you mentioned that, I don't know. <laughs> Could that have been the same hotel? Was it last season? Do you remember that episode? Was it last season, that episode where that girl was missing? Maybe. And they were they were at a hotel? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I have to rewatch it. I'll have to rewatch it too. I'm curious now. I didn't even think about that. I just assumed that they were hiding in like a, instead of like a closet, like a stand alone kind of like piece of furniture, like a wardrobe. I don't know. I'll have to rewatch that. Now I'm curious. <laughs> um, but either way, the whole crew's back together. In my opinion, it was taking too long in this episode for them all to be together. But I get it. You know, we had other things going on. So um, Nick shows them all the map that he found um, outside of the courtroom with the map of Gettysburg. Um, and so they go and they find uh, Lev, the guy who was excused for his outburst and they attempt to explain everything to him. I'm sure he was very confused. Um, you know, all the supernatural stuff happening in the city, you know, everybody else in this town has no idea what is going on. I can't imagine that if someone tried to tell me that stuff like that was happening in my town, that I would have an okay reaction. I think I would be very confused to say the least. Yeah, I and I don't feel like I would handle it well. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> um, so they try to explain everything to him. They tell him that they want to keep him safe. Um, they realize that all of the prior victims of the Frozen Hearts killer had died at 11.57 p.m., which apparently was the darkest part of the evening, which kind of seems strange to me. Um, even my husband said that he would have thought that that darkest part of the evening would have been like maybe 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Or, or somewhere around there, you know, right before like daylight breaks. Yeah. But regardless, at least in this series, they're saying 1157 is the darkest part of the evening. And that's when all these other victims passed away. So the crew starts spreading around Lev's scent, I guess, to try to confuse the copperhead. Um, Nancy sees the copperhead and now she's hiding in the kitchen, which was a very stressful scene for me because I was thinking for sure he was going to find the scent and follow it straight to her, but that didn't happen and he ended up leaving the kitchen. Um, I had to cover my eyes through that whole thing because it creeped me out so much. <laughs> I was real nervous and I was thinking that there could have, I mean, that was an opportunity for a jump scare. Yeah. For sure. And in previous seasons, we know the show's not afraid of having a good jump scare. <laughs> so I was a little bit nervous of what was actually going to happen, but Nancy was okay. Um, and I really thought that, I mean, I understand the concept of them going around and spreading Lev's scent, but I also felt like that could have been a recipe for disaster because if you get caught doing that by the Copperhead, I mean, I understand that the Copperhead is trying to kill certain people, but would that really limit him? Yeah. What I mean? Like, I just, I feel like if they had gotten caught, it just would have been no good. 
So um, the crew checks on Lev and he's gone. And they're like looking everywhere for him. I would be absolutely panicked if I was them. You know, the one person you're trying to keep safe and you can't even find him. So they eventually do find him and he's like in a trance-like kind of state, walking straight towards the Copperhead. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing we know, the Copperhead hits Nick with this like icy blast. It was almost like Disney's Frozen with Elsa <laughs> shooting ice out of his hand. And I thought for sure that something was gonna happen to Nick, but I guess, I guess he's okay. Imagine if it hit his heart and then someone had to save him from turning into an ice cube. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at this point, nothing would have surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, our lovely Bess is going to do magic again. And I'm sitting there holding my breath because I'm always scared every time that she does magic. So I always think something bad's going to happen. Yep. Um, but Lev snaps out of the trance. When he snaps out of the trance, the clock turns to 11.58 and the copperhead disappears. And he walks away in the fog. I mean, it was it was very strange, but I guess it makes sense since, like we said, apparently all the other deaths happened right at 11.57. So I guess if he misses his opportunity, he has to wait for another day. Weird, but okay. I mean, you know, at least we're working with something here. We know when it'll happen time frame at least um so the scene changes the jury is now deliberating on the case um peter's case and he ends up being found not guilty for grand theft which was awesome during that whole time when the jury was like talking about guilty versus not guilty it nick was seemed so stressed out about the whole thing and it was like I felt as though he was trying so hard not to let it slip that he was, uh, was like, of, like in prison already. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he was like, I was so happy that he was able to like hold it all together. Yeah, he he did a really really good job, um, but I almost felt like it was almost like PTSD from dealing with it in his past. Like it was bringing up bad memories of when he was convicted before, which I felt bad for him for that, having to kind of almost relive that. Um, So, um, like I said, he's found not guilty. Everyone is happy. Um, and by the way, the deliberation part and all of that, and then having the one juror kind of give all the information that was accurate as well, um, which was I was excited about. That was good. Um, George and Carson have kind of a sweet moment there as everyone is exiting the courtroom. Um, George talks about how being a lawyer would be like a dream to her, and Carson tells her, you know, go for it, do it. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen, you know? Um, love these sweet little moments especially with characters that you don't see paired up all that much yeah exactly and i feel like george could really do well with a strong male presence in her life clearly because i mean she's now you know has her biological father in her life somewhat um 
but having that kind of strong male influence in your life is good as well. You know, even if that person's not related to you can still be someone that you look up to, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, Carson tells her, you know, nothing's holding you back. You know, it's worth a shot. Um, they also around this time find out that um, the person that Peter supposedly had beaten up during this crime um, actually woke up from his coma and it said that Peter was not the attacker. So everything worked out as far as all that, which was great. Um, Gina Carson, yeah, so that was good. Gina Carson also make up and they do decide that they are gonna go away to Winter Harbor um, on their trip. So everything's good with that. Um, Bess once again talks to Ace and tells him, you got to go for it with Nancy. You got to tell her how you feel, you know? Yeah. You don't know the scenario with her and park, but if you don't tell her, you're going to wonder forever what could have been. Um, we also find out that park arranged for security, um, to be watching out for Lev, um, to make sure that he's okay. Uh, here's the good part. Ace comes up to Nancy and asks to speak with her privately. And he admits that he has feelings for her. Melted. Finally. I was so excited. And then God love him. Ryan walks in and interrupts them. Oh, you dumb, dumb. Um, I can't read the room. I can't even be mad because, you know, he's trying, like he's trying so hard, you know? Um, he he interrupts them. He says, you know, that estate sale that I did was weird because um, someone put in a, this really big offer for um, the briefcase that had Charity's initials on it. Um, and then um, the auctioneer gave Ryan a tarot card that had the hanged man on it. Um, and then next thing we know, uh, Temperance finds the cop that's watching Lev and knocks them out, the cop and Lev. And that's kind of just how the episode ends. Um, And I meant to do this earlier and I didn't, but I want to look up really fast um, the meaning behind the hanged man tarot card. So give me just one second. Um, Wasn't it like the card of sacrifice? It does, according to all knowing Google. (laughs) the hanged man is the card that suggests ultimate surrender sacrifice or being suspended in time and then nancy's like who could that be yeah so we're kind of left on a cliffhanger with that well with both of those things um who is this auctioneer that gave well actually three things if you think about it who's the auctioneer that gave ryan the card and how does that play in who is this person that put in this huge offer for the briefcase that has Charity's initials on it? And why did Temperance, which I guess we kind of, in a way, because she's shady, know, but why did Temperance knock out the cop and Lev? Because remember, uh, Temperance needs the last two pieces of whatever the heck she's doing, and Lev is one of those pieces. 
Correct. But so what is she going to do? Is she going to, I guess, kidnap Lev and hold him until 1157 that night or the next night or whenever? Like, not quite sure how that's going to play out. And that's what we're left with. Now, my thinking is with the briefcase, could it have been Temperance trying to, like, that bought the case to get what was inside? Could have been. Because keep in mind, she doesn't look like herself. She looks like Charity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. What else is new? We have two episodes left. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping that they don't leave us on a major, major cliffhanger. Hopefully not. <laughs> but, I mean, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. But essentially, that's kind of where we're at. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, a lot left that could happen in two more episodes. Um, Not really sure what to think at this point. Yeah. Um, But I did enjoy this episode. This might have been one of my top favorite episodes just because of all the court stuff. Um, Really enjoyed all of that. I love that Ace finally said what he said. Um, And God love her. Nancy was like so surprised that he felt that way. But it's like, I guess it's easier when you're not the person that's in that situation. If you're the person looking from the outside, I guess it's a lot easier to see what's going on. But it's like, girl, there's no way that you had no clue. There's no way. And even when um, they're by like the campfire, and they like there's like these big long benches and the, they're like close. like right next to each other instead of having like space yeah like real close <laughs> but either way it's out there he said it yeah. it's on her now what's going to happen i as we mentioned the soul splitter this episode <laughs> I read this other thing on Twitter, and it's, I actually thought it was quite funny. When Odette was in George's body, and, you know, when George and Nick were sleeping together. Yeah. And Odette was with George. Wouldn't that have been a threesome? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I read, someone tweeted that out, and I'm like, oh god. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Sometimes I feel like I'm not, like, emotionally or mentally prepared for reading the the stuff that some of these people say on Twitter just because I feel like I think a lot about this stuff, but some people I feel like even go further down the rabbit hole than I do and think about these things, and it's like, oh, my God, I had never even thought of that. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess it's true. Yeah. So. And it almost seemed like Bess was kind of having one, too, with them. Because, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh god, yeah. that's not weird at all. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, that that whole. <sighs> I think that's one storyline that I could have gone without the whole. Best interested in a spirit, kind of storyline was very strange, and very awkward. Um, it was well acted, don't get me wrong, but 
the outline of it was so far out there that I'm just like, eh, kind of could have gone without that, but okay, I guess, you know? <laughs> but oh, it goes to show anything can happen apparently in Horseshoe Bay. Yep. So, never a dull moment, that's for sure. Oh my god, yeah, you can never be bored there, ever. <laughs> ever. Yeah. It's but, just, it's crazy. Yeah. So, to say the least. Not, yeah. Not really sure where we're going from here, um, but I mean, I'm ready for the rest of the season. It's yeah. going to be over before we know it, sadly. And I. I don't know about you, but I'm still waiting on season four news. Still waiting. It's like, do, 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 do. You know, like yeah. the song from Jeopardy? I'm like, oh, yeah, it come is. on. It is. But I also keep in mind that they filmed this season very quickly. Yeah. I mean, just a matter of months. Because I feel like your average TV show takes a lot longer and doesn't even have necessarily the kind of things going on that this show does. So I feel like they can work it out quickly. So I won't say that I'm nervous that we haven't heard news yet. They might just be waiting for something. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm still, I've got my fingers crossed because I need another season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So... But yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of where we're at for this week. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, I did enjoy this notes. episode. Okay. I enjoyed this episode. Pro like I said, probably one of my favorites. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see where we head from here. So, um, have anything else that we need to discuss? I don't think so. Okay. Oh, we fight. We got to see both dads this time. Yes, yes. I, Not I love, I love when they're together. Um, especially when we have scenes with Ryan Carson and Nancy all together. Um, bonus points if it includes the chore wheel. Love that. <laughs> yep. Love that. I think that's so silly and so funny, but seems to work for them. So hey, yeah, do what works. So, um, but yeah. Other than that, if you're good, I'm good. Good. Alrighty then. So thank you all for listening to this week's episode of River Heights Buzz podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at River Heights Buzz, or you can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com, or you can check us out on our Facebook group. Um, check us out next week as we dive into season three, episode 12. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Stay warm. Yeah, try to. We'll try to as well. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.